0: chapter sixteen of ancestors a novel by gertrude atherton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson chapter sixteen the young marquis of strathland and zeal sat alone in the smoking-room at capheaton the guests with the exception of flora Thang and isabel otis had departed six days ago sunk in a melancholy so profound that his brain was mercifully inactive if the history of the past week was dully insistent the future was not he had witnessed the descent of his grandfather and cousin into the vault of the chapel at Strathland abbey two days before and after the necessary interviews with stewards and family solicitors had returned this afternoon to capheaton with his mother lady victoria even her dauntless soul sick with grief and horrors had gone to bed at once and after a funereal dinner where he had made no response whatever to the feeble efforts of the girls to illuminate the darkness in which he moved had gone to the smoking-room alone wishing to think and plan yet grateful that he could not he had known nothing of the weakness of his grandfather's heart and the old gentleman as ruddy and debonair as ever had just come in from the coverts when he arrived at the abbey a few hours after zeal's departure from Capitan always vain of his health and appearance since his complete recovery now many years ago lord strathland had turned a haughty back upon the one physician that had dared to warn him not even his valet was permitted to suspect that he had been forced to pay to time any debt beyond bleaching care and an occasional twinge of gout the care he had taken of himself in his delicate youth had given him a finer constitution than he would have been likely to enjoy had he been able to go the wild way of many of his family and it was his familiar boast that he intended to live until ninety elton's visit roused no curiosity in his complacent breast for the favourite seldom announced his coming and it was quite in order that he should run down for congratulations and delight his affectionate if disapproving relative with personal details of the great fight he had come with the intention of being the one to break the news of his cousin's death to his grandfather should it be necessary but he permitted himself to hope that zeal would rise above his type he had driven him to the station himself dispensing with the groom as well and pleaded with him to wait at least a month to consider the matter more coolly and carefully than had hitherto been possible begged him to return to capheaton offered to travel with him if he preferred to leave England. Whatever might threaten in the future, there could be no immediate danger of arrest, for if the shot had carried beyond the private rooms of the club, there would have been evidence of the fact at once, and if the undertakers had suspected the truth, and delayed giving information, their purpose was blackmail, and could be dealt with. And while he argued and pleaded, he wondered, as he had during the hours he watched beside his cousin sleeping if in spite of certain principles which he had believed to be immutable he could have found any other solution himself honour has many arbitrary inflections and zeal's act being wholly abominable there must seem in his code to be no place for him among men to walk among them unscathed punished only by a conscience that time would inevitably dull and the loss of a small fortune that his promised wife would more than replace while some passionate creature without powerful friends or money for blackmail went to the noose was an outrage abroad in the secret regions of the spirit even if it made no assault upon public standards he deserved extinction one way or another and it would be almost as great an outrage were he to cover his family with his own disgrace certain men might after such a lesson live on to devote their lives to repentance and beneficent works but not zeal and gwynne had no great respect for a character made over after some terrifying explosion among its baser parts and the question would always remain if the highest honour would not have commanded confession he made a deliberate effort to put himself in zeal's place and after several failures accomplished the feat he was willing to believe that his first impulse would have been to destroy himself not so much through fear as through a blind sense of atonement for when he endeavoured to argue that the crime belonged to the law and the public he swore at himself for a prig either way was suicide and if the more deliberate might damn a man's soul no doubt he deserved nothing less and at least he had done his duty by his family and his class gwynne had in the base of his character a puritanical stratum by no means mined as yet but with too many outcroppings to have been overlooked but the very strength it gave him served to confuse the simplicity of the religious instinct and duty like the code of honour endures many interpretations in complex minds he was quite sure that ultimately he would have decided with his cold intelligence that he was equally sure that if he had doggedly determined to conquer life and be conquered by nothing that the best part of his mental existence would have gone into the grave with his ideals although there was still some confusion in his mind he kept it out of his words and as he drove home from the station he was sanguine enough to hope that he had at least dissuaded zeal from precipitancy for his cousin flippant cynical appeared to be quite his usual self and as he nodded from the window of the train bore little resemblance to the demoralized wretch of the night nevertheless he hastened to his grandfather for he knew how little the mood of the moment may presage that of an hour hence although he was reasonably sure that if zeal lived until the following morning it would be some time before he brought himself to the sticking point again he announced to his mother and his guests that it was his duty to spend twenty-four hours with his grandfather Promising to return in time for two hours shooting on the morrow. He took for granted that Zeal had gone to London. What then was his foreboding horror when Lord Strathland, as they sat alone at luncheon the unmarried aunts were visiting remarked with acerbity Zeal arrived on the train before yours, went straight to his room, giving orders he was not to be called until dinner, has not honoured me with so much as an intimation that he was in the house. Where are you going? Gwynne had half-risen. He sat down hastily. "'I was afraid he might be ill,' he replied coolly, "'but doubtless he merely had a bad night and wants sleep.' In a flash he had understood. It was like Zeal's cynicism to die as close to the family vault as possible. No meal had ever seemed as long as that last luncheon with his grandfather, who promptly dismissed the subject of his detested heir and asked a hundred questions about the campaign a fierce sense of protecting the two men he loved best enabled gwynne to answer as collectedly as if he had not been possessed with the sickening idea that the very bones had gone out of him when luncheon was over he accompanied his grandfather to the library then after smoking a third of a cigar left him to his nap frankly stating that he thought he had better look up zeal who had been rather seedy of late he would risk being unwelcome He walked slowly up the stair and along the corridor to his cousin's suite He was in no hurry to reach it, but neither could he wait for the possible discovery of the servants at the dinner hour He knocked at the door of the sitting-room There was no answer he turned the handle the door was locked Then he pounded and called he was about to fling himself against the door when he heard a quick step in the corridor and before he could retreat lord strathland was beside him there was no defect in the old gentleman's eyesight nor in his perceptions zeal's abrupt arrival without servant or luggage and his more than usual rudeness had charged him with vague suspicions as well as annoyance when gwynne in spite of his self-control had turned livid upon hearing that zeal was in the abbey and had risen as if to fly to his rescue. A dark, if undefined foreboding had entered his grandfather's mind. But Lord Strathland respected the reserve of his guests, no matter how nearly related, and, dismissing the subject, had forgotten his apprehension, until Gwynne revived it by his untimely pilgrimage. Then Lord Strathland thought the time had come to hear the truth. "'Well,' he demanded sharply, "'What is it? What's up?' why doesn't zeal open i saw him in piccadilly on saturday and he stared at me as if he had never seen me before i thought at the moment it was some of his damned impertinence but concluded that he had something on his mind he looked more dead than alive gwynne's back was to the light and he controlled his voice although his heart was thumping well he has been poor chap awfully seedy and really worried he may have anticipated a final hemorrhage and crawled home to die he cherished the hope that the zeal had been at pains to procure an untraceable drug ah well I hope that is it if the poor fellow is dead he looked as if he had more than ill health on his mind I thought he had pulled up but no doubt he went to pieces over some wretched woman again come let us get in I don't want the servants to know anything of this at present they threw themselves against the door the old gentleman was heavy, and Gwynne sound and wiry in spite of his delicate appearance. The door was stout, but its hinges were old, and after several attempts they drove it in. Lord Strathland's face was pale, and he was panting, but he led the way rapidly through the sitting-room into the bedroom. Zeal had undressed, extended himself on the bed, and covered his body with an eider down quilt. Lord Strathland jerked it off, and both saw what they had expected to see, for a faint odour of burnt powder lingered in the rooms. Lord Strathland's face was ghastly, almost blue. He had anticipated death, not with the imagination of the young, but dully through the atrophied faculties of his age, and the shock could hardly have been greater had he found his grandson without warning. "'What does this mean?' he demanded thickly you know and i will know gwynne took him firmly by the arm and turned him about not here he said come to the library i will tell you but i am no more fit to talk just now than you are to listen his grandfather submitted and gwynne dropped his arm and rearranged the quilt over his cousin's body at the same moment lord Strathland's eyes lit on a sealed letter addressed to himself before gwynne could interfere he had broken the seal it ran my lord i murdered Brathland in cold blood saving the fact that i was drunk my entire private fortune has gone for purposes of blackmail even that might not have saved me eventually from the hangman we have grown so damned democratic all things considered i am sure you will agree that it is quite proper i should make the exit of a gentleman while there is yet time jack will give you further particulars should you care to listen to them zeal he too had known nothing of the condition of his grandfather's heart and it had amused him to plan a last shock to the perennial optimism and complacency of the person he disliked most on earth the smile was still on his frozen lips that expressed the amused anticipation of his brain death to do him justice he had met with none of the cowardice he had vaunted, and consistently with his arid, cynical soul. Don't read it, don't! Gwynne had exclaimed in agony, and forgetting the awful figure on the bed in his alarm at the sight of his grandfather's face. If you must know the truth, let me tell it in my own way. But Lord Strathland read, and fell at his feet like a bundle of old clothes. End of chapter 16